Welcome to SNC Critical Insights. I'm Vanessa Blackmore, and I'm joined by Ben Perry and Kirsten Roger. We're all based in SNC's London office, and we all practice English law. And today we're going to talk about choosing English law and has Brexit changed anything? The question of which law should govern a contract and which courts have jurisdiction over disputes is one that comes up frequently on transactions, particularly those with a cross-border element such as M&A, international finance and capital markets. And a question I get asked quite a lot and increasingly so since Brexit when the UK officially left the EU at the end of 2020 is, should I still be choosing English law to govern my contracts? So today we thought we'd discuss what, if anything, has changed since Brexit and explore why we think English governing law remains just as valid a choice as it did before Brexit. And we'll also touch on the related question of choosing English courts to handle disputes that arise under contracts. So I think, Kirsten, first of all, when we talk about choice of law and submission to jurisdiction clauses, what do we mean and what do those clauses do? Thanks very much, Vanessa. The choice of governing law of a contract determines how a contract should be interpreted. Each jurisdiction or system of law has its own set of contractual principles and rules of interpretation. The submission to jurisdiction clause determines which courts or system of arbitration handles disputes under the contract. For example, if a contract provides that all disputes are to be under the exclusive jurisdiction of the courts of England and Wales, then the parties have agreed that it is only the courts in England and Wales that will determine any disputes arising from the contract. Thanks, Kirsten. And has Brexit changed how to think about English law as the governing law of a commercial contract? EU law actually had very little impact on English contract law as it applies to M&A and international finance and capital markets transactions. And post-Brexit, English law continues to be recognised as a valid choice of law under EU and UK law. So Brexit doesn't really make a material difference to English law as the choice of governing law to govern commercial contracts for transactions in M&A, international finance and capital markets matters. For all practical purposes, if English law would have been the preferred choice of governing law for a commercial contract before Brexit, there is no reason for it not to remain so afterwards. Thanks very much, Kirsten. Um, ben, what are the reasons for choosing English law to govern commercial contracts? Thanks, Vanessa. There are actually a number of reasons why the parties to a commercial contract might want to choose English law as the governing law. And I'll talk about just a few of them here. First, one of the main deciding factors in choosing the governing law of a commercial contract is stability and certainty. And I think it's fair to say that English law, as it applies to commercial contracts, is internationally recognised as a settled body of laws. The UK is a common law jurisdiction, and it doesn't have a written constitution. And therefore, while judge-made law is an important feature of the legal system, the English courts follow precedent, and the law tends to evolve gradually. This feature of stability and predictability of the English legal system means that the parties to a commercial contract that's governed by English law can have a high degree of confidence that they know where they stand under the contract. Second, the English courts are also said to be business friendly. By that, 
we mean that the English courts look to respect the commercial deal that the parties have agreed to. The starting point when interpreting a commercial contract under English law is to look at the words that have been written and to give effect to the commercial intentions of the parties as evidenced by both the contract and also the factual context as known to the parties when the contract was entered into. Generally, therefore, what the English courts do is they give effect to the words of the contract unless there is an ambiguity that requires interpretation. And when a commercial contract does need to be interpreted, the English courts will seek to do so in a common sense way to give effect to the business intentions of the parties. Unlike in a number of other jurisdictions, the English courts rarely look to impose their own terms or notions of fairness onto commercial contracts. So again, the parties have a good idea of where they stand under the contract. Another important feature is that English case law on commercial contracts also reflects and respects market practices. The commercial bar in the UK is sophisticated and there is a deep pool of legal and market practice knowledge. When issues arise, the parties can usually get informed and sophisticated advice, and that's helpful to resolve differences and avoid protracted litigation. In addition, because English law is internationally recognized and accepted, when a transaction involves parties from various different countries, English law is often chosen to govern the contract. This is the case even when none of the parties have any nexus to the UK at all. And it can even be beneficial for non-UK parties to choose English law as the governing law, and that's to insulate the contract against changes in the law in their home countries that might otherwise substantively affect the transaction. Last but not least, none of these factors has been changed by Brexit. So as a result, all the reasons for choosing English law to govern a commercial contract that I've talked about continue to apply. Thanks very much, Ben. Kirsten, what about choosing the English courts to handle disputes arising under the contract? Has anything changed in that respect since Brexit? Before Brexit, the UK was part of an e-regime of mutual recognition, meaning that the courts of other EU member states were generally required, with very limited exceptions, to respect and give effect to the party's choice of the English courts to handle contractual disputes. Similar rules also applied in relation to the EFTA countries before Brexit. After Brexit, unless an international treaty applies, the EU and the EFTA courts are not automatically required to decline jurisdiction if a case is brought before them. After Brexit, so far as the EU and the EFTA countries are concerned, the UK is in the same position as other so-called third countries, including the United States. The UK has acceded to the Hague Convention on Choice of Court Agreements. So where the Hague Convention applies and all the parties have agreed that only the English courts can hear the case, the EU courts should decline to hear the case. The position is, however, less clear where the treaty does not apply. For example, where not all of the parties agree to submit to the exclusive jurisdiction of the English courts, or in the case of the EFTA countries, because they have not acceded to the Hague Convention. In those circumstances, an English court will take jurisdiction most of the time applying domestic common law rules applicable to all non-EU or EFTA countries. After Brexit, questions such as whether to stay proceedings pending determination of jurisdiction by the English courts are no longer automatic because such a decision is down to the domestic law of the particular EU country. And similarly with EFTA countries, unless a bilateral treaty is in place. So, for example, as is the case between Norway and the UK. 
Despite these changes and the fact that the process might not be as efficient as the previous regime of mutual recognition, the reasons for choosing to submit to the jurisdiction of the English courts haven't really changed because of Brexit. Thanks very much, Kirsten. So, Ben, has anything changed when it comes to enforcing judgments obtained in the English courts? Thanks, Vanessa. It's actually a very similar position to the one Kirsten just described. Again, what we have, there was an EU regime for mutual recognition of judgments that was in place before Brexit. What that did was it enabled judgments obtained in one EU member state to be recognised and enforced in other EU member states without any special procedure. Again, that no longer applies to the UK. And so far as the EU and EFTA member states are concerned, the UK is now in the same position as other third countries, such as the United States. So you can't use the automatic procedure any longer to have a UK judgment recognised in the EU member state. That said, a judgment obtained in England will generally be enforceable in an EU member state or an EFTA member state and vice versa, where the Hague Convention applies or in the case of the EFTA countries where a bilateral treaty applies. Otherwise, however, it will be necessary to look to the local laws of the EU member state or EFTA member state where enforcement is sought. What this in practice means is that a judgment of an English court will be enforceable in accordance with the laws of the EU or EFTA member state in much the same way as the judgment of a New York court in accordance with the laws of that member state applicable to non-treaty judgments. And how that would work out would involve the interpretation of general provisions of international conflicts of law or, in the case of EFTA countries, a bilateral treaty. Having said all of that, the key point to remember here is that English judgment should still be enforceable in EU and EFTA member states, and not just automatically. In other words, the enforcement process might not be as efficient as the previous regime of mutual recognition that applied to EU and EFTA member states, but that's not the same thing as saying that it doesn't work. Thanks very much, Ben. So I think listening to all of this, in many ways, the impact of Brexit on the choice of law and forum is plus ça change, plus la même chose the same but different. The EU and EFTA courts should uphold an English choice of law and court clause and enforce English court judgments. And a UK court should do the same for EU and EFTA member state governing law, choice of law, choice of jurisdiction and judgments. There will just be a few more procedural hoops to go through. In practical terms, it probably means that it will become more important for parties to commercial contracts to take local law advice before starting proceedings. And where commercially practicable, agreeing to the exclusive jurisdiction of the English courts to come within the Hague Convention, as that will simplify and streamline the procedural issues. However, the substantive reasons for choosing English governing law and the jurisdiction of the English courts remains the certainty of English common law and the pro-business commercial common sense of the English courts. So I think to sum up where we're left is it's the same, but with just a few differences. Mm -hmm.